Hi, thank you for tuning in to State of the Arts, a podcast where art forms are embraced and artists are celebrated. I'm Lee, a hostess of Ceremonies, and this is episode 67. My guest this week is Esther Kong Lo, who is an acclaimed visual artist, a sculptor, an illustrator, and a ballroom dance enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Esther has a BFA from the Pratt Institute with honors. In 2013, Esther studied sculpting at the National Academy and Arts Students League. She is also a ballroom dancer who has performed and competed. She has partnered with professional ballroom dancers and with her husband, Chiman, who is also a ballroom dancer himself. Rave reviews came in for her artwork by journalists and curators. She poses for her own statues as she is a dancer, and she has won many awards for her artwork. Thank you, Esther, for joining me. This is such an incredible privilege and honor to have you on my podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. That's um really look forward to talking to you. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm look, looking forward to talking to you as well. Um, what inspired you to pursue the arts? You know, um, since I was a child, I've, I've always loved to draw. I'm, I'm always doodling. So, and as I was growing up, I, I realized I'm a very visual person. I, I'm fascinated and moved by colors, by shapes, by light and shadow. And the visual memories stay with me for a long time. So. I see beauty in almost everything. And even if you think that this is ugly to somebody, to me, I see beauty. Mm-hmm. So I know very early on that visual art would be my path. That is incredible to have that calling <laughs> at such an early age. That's so beautiful to like hear that from inside. And what drew you towards sculpting in particular? You know, I, I really didn't discover sculpting until about eight years ago. Uh, I have always worked in it, as you've already introduced um, me as an artist, I've worked in the two-dimensional format and in photography and painting. And in both mediums, I, I use my brushes or my camera lens as my creative tool. Then, so over the years, I, I did feel the need to explore something more tactile, more three-dimensional. Um, so that I can create works in relation to space. Then one day when I was cleaning my house, clearing out all my junks, I found some leftover Scopey clay that I bought for my daughter to make those little figurines when she was very little, you know, those little things that uh, the clay that you bake in the oven, very tiny ones, and then you paint over it. So I started to make a little things out of them. I made a little horse out of it. And I really liked that, process of kneading, the, the touch, the feel of kneading. So I decided to sign up for a course in the National Academy of Arts um, by Guggenheim Museum. And we work from, from life models. Um, and from that time on, I, I was hooked. Um, and I'm very lucky to have studied with two renowned sculptors, um, Tony Antonio's, Rose de Chabelle, they're, they're legendary sculptors. And I follow them to the Art Students League. Um, so, and that's where many of the legendary artists like Georgie O'Keeffe, um, Jackson Pollock, the Chinese contemporary artist Ai Weiwei, you know, they have all spent time honing their skills there. So I work in clay because I, I can vent out my emotion and chisel into such a malleable material. So, and this act of molding the clay is a very direct and expressive process. I, 
I was very involved in the high school drama, so I like to show a lot of details in facial expressions and, and gestures. And I can achieve this in, you know, with the consistency with clay. And also I'm a very curious person. I, I want to know what goes in around something. I like to create art that you can approach, um, you know, appreciate from all angles. Um, so when I work, the way I work is my work would be placed in relationship to viewer, how it's going to be viewed, how you view it, looking up and down, looking through in and out. These actions from the viewers, they all elicit an emotional response. And that's only achievable in the three-dimensional format, which is sculpture. And you are, are actually the first sculpture I've ever had on this podcast. And that's very, oh. very thrilling for me. <laughs> Thank you. There will be now more to come then. <laughs> You've paved the way. <laughs> sure, sure, thanks. Um, what do you enjoy most about combining your art forms, like to be able to sculpt a dancer or um, illustrate, say, a sculpture? All genres of dance and, and sculptures, and in my, my case, figurative, uh, figurative sculpture have a lot in common. They both involve the beauty in terms of lines, uh, forms, shaping, fluidity, dynamics, and the power of expressions. So posing for my own pieces helped me explore my body as a language for my art. Um, you know, my dance teacher, um, uh, Anton Domanski, he once told me that when I perform, I, I am the sculpture. I am being seen in time and space as a series of sculptural art. So I can roll back time, roll back the clock and dance again. That's it. So that, and also that, you know, there's a current world Latin champion, um, Ina Jalowski, who I sometimes mentor with. Um, she also said, when you dance, what you look from the front is as important as from the back. And that's exactly what I try, uh, strive to achieve in my sculptures. Um, I become more critical of myself as a dancer because of my perception as a sculptor and vice versa. So I'd say being a dancer makes me a better sculptor and being a sculptor makes me a better dancer. And that makes perfect sense. It's art in motion, dancing and sculpting sure. is capturing art in freeze frame. Yes, yes, freeze frame. Mm -hmm. So incredible. It's just it's such a like beautiful, diverse like a universe of art. Yeah, they all interquite. There's always, uh, you know, common elements anyway that they share in the visual and the performing arts form, and they all try to, you know, implement, you know, uh, kind of complement each other. Yes, yeah, it's so it's so amazing, and it's, yeah. it's wonderful to be a part of that. Uh, what does it mean to you when you capture femininity in your sculptures? I've seen the uh, series of women that you sculpted. Femininity has always been a driving force in, you know, in the work that I do. Um, very often I will observe my model for a long time before I discover that very unique essence uh, in her in, that symbolizes certain qualities of our gender. Um, uh, I think you just mentioned eternal flames, right? Uh, eternal flames is, um, it's a, my model for that particular piece um, is an African-American um, a woman with a huge explosive afro twice the size of, of her head. I made a like, I made a bust out of it. I actually made a mask out of it. But, but when I was um, creating her, at first I just wanted to simplify her afro into simple forms. 
try to see how you know all this effort, the strands of hair would become just form. But as I look at her, the more I look at her, I the more I keep seeing her afro has just fire coming out, coming out of her head. So when, and then she had her eyes closed also. So when she had her eyes closed, it's as if energy was actually emitting out of her. And that state of being confident in her own zone is what I really wanted to portray as a female. And so, you can feel the energy from her when you look at that piece too. It draws yeah. it in. Oh, thank you, thank you. So I, you mentioned the lady in the cape. You, you mentioned Lady Kinda Cape also. That's also part of a, a theme of femininity that I um, often would come back to. Um, Lady in the Cape, the model is actually a high school senior. Um, she came to me wearing um, a hooded sweatshirt, but she didn't have her hood on. So um, she's in her late teens, very pretty. So when I asked her to put on her hood, um, she just, once she put on her hood, her she was completely transformed. Um, she almost takes on a dual identity. She, she looks like a young warrior in her helmet from a distance. But then when you look closer, she is this delicate beauty sheltered under the shadow of her hood. Um, this transformation from being fearless in the distance to being quite vulnerable and somewhat shy and guarded uh, became her symbol of femininity that I decided to recreate. So that's, you know, there's femininity encompasses a, a, a variety of spectrum. So these are just some of the aspects of femininity that are, you know, that I have come try to represent in, in my art. How extraordinary, that's incredible. And um, what is your most memorable moment as an artist? As a sculptor, when I when I first sculpted uh, one piece that it's called Run Medusa Run, that moment when I try to feel her as a helpless victim turning into a head of snake, yes. it's what I think most memorable to me. You know, um, Medusa in Greek mythology was a um, actually a fair maiden. She's very pretty. Um, she, her sisters are Gorgons, so she, she's, actually she's a mortal, but she, she was cursed after she was raped by the god Poseidon in the temple of Athena. And when Athena, the goddess Athena discovered that she was furious, not at Poseidon, but at Medusa. Oh, no. So she cursed her, she persecuted her, and then she became Medusa. Um, so she was shamed not just once but twice. Yeah, I mean, me oh. Medusa, and wow. um, so she, so anyone you know, anyone who looked at her became stone. So what we in these days equate her with is this horrible-looking monster, very ugly, conniving uh, villain, who is a monster who so turned people into stone, but you don't know the story behind her. She's actually a victim. That's and so when I was working on her, I actually feel her pain and agony and desperation as a, um, as a victim whose virginity has, has been violated. And that desperation and pain of destiny being dictated by inequalities, that, that really cut deep into my heart uh, when I create this piece. Um, 
And so Medusa in the art form, you know, has really been portrayed of being evil. And in my version, I would really want to make the world rethink who Medusa really is and what she stands for, because in, you know, in many cultures, this is still happening to many victims. Yes. And, and that's how we treat them also. So um, it is, my piece is really a cry to the public and to everybody who, you know, who know art and appreciate art and just, just the general public that what's happening to somebody who could be a symbol of Medusa. It's a very important social statement. It's very important political and social and <laughs> you know, statement of justice, which is so needed. Yes, yes, it is. Um, it's still very, very um, kind of um, vital for us today to, to be mindful of what the general perception of feminine, you know, being female and being, you know, being almost uh, predated by people who feel of us as um, just, uh, uh, inferior object, yeah. I would say, disposal, disposable objects. Yeah. Right. That's what the whole Me Too movement is about. Yes, yes, yes. What materials do you enjoy sculpting with the most? Uh, you know, I really love working with terracotta. Terracotta, that's the kind of uh, clay that they use to produce the famous terracotta soldiers in, in China, Xi'an, China. Yes. It's life-size sculptures, except that they're all stripped of colors now because of oxid oxidized, you know, oxidation. Um, I love the consistency of this clay. Most modeling clay dries out fast and they dry. When they dry, the dried particles get into the lungs. And the fabric that you wrap around the clay to keep it moist gets moldy over time and it's very bad for the health. And for me, it's very vital to work on a more a different kind of um, clay. So that this, this doesn't happen because I have asthma and I'm very susceptible to this kind of, you know, aggravated health situation because of the dust. And terracotta, because it stays moist much longer, um, it's also results, you know, not only can I work on it for a longer time, it results in a safe and working environment for me. Um, I can take the time to work on the piece and um, I can just hollow it, fire it, and it, I make an original piece without having to go through the process of casting. So that would be a, a material that I really enjoy most working with. And it's a beautiful color too. Terracotta comes in black, in, in, in brown, in different kinds of uh, color that once you fire, you don't even have to glaze it. it, it in, in its original color, it's just um, absolutely beautiful. In Faces and Identities, you capture images of a diverse array of people. How important is it for an artist to have a voice in their artistic expression that will draw attention to important social issues like the need for diversity and harmony? Oh, I think a, a sculptor has this unique power to call attention to social issues because what we create is very approachable. Yes. My experience as a first generation Asian American really fuels my need to promote into the cultural understanding. That's the purpose of my Faces and Identities project. It's actually a New York State art grant project that I was awarded back in 2016. And the exhibit is a series of life-size busts of different ethnic people in our community. Uh, my vision is that if we don't normally interact with these people who appear different, or we keep a distance from 
keep a distance from them, we can study these portraits and get to know them. Uh, you begin to see their features not as being foreign, but forms to be appreciated. And you relate to them on a more personal level because of the expressions and gestures. Um, this interactions create an, an intimacy that makes you want to know more about my subjects. And when you have the time to observe and absorb the experience at your own pace, that distrust and prejudice slowly begins to dissipate. That's wonderful. So this is so crucial to our social harmony as we are witnessing an alarming escalation of hate crime targeted against specific ethnic groups these days. Oh, so I say um, what a sculpture creates with the intention to unite definitely helps to break down barriers. That's great. It's very honorable. The art that you create has a purpose. Not only is it beautiful, it also has a purpose. <laughs> yes, my, I would say most sculptors would, you know, they, they do create work with a purpose. Are there any current projects you can let us in on that you're working on right now? Um, something is always in the works. Yeah, usually because we are have, you know, my eye, I usually am drawn to showing femininity. There is something that I have in mind that would show femininity in different light or, or, or probably challenge what people think of femininity. So people that would have more of a surprise element. So that's in the web. Yeah, I'm still surprised right now. So I don't know what it will lead to. Uh, yes, the, actually the art steers the artists. The art, yes, yes, the it does. It does. Yeah, we don't know which comes first. <laughs> exactly, it's got a life of its own. <laughs> right. Uh, so going over to your ballroom dancing, huh. what's your favorite style of ballroom dancing? You know, there are actually not just one, but two, <laughs> because ballroom dance, there's Latin. Yes. And there's smooth. You know, I love American smooth dance and I love Latin dance. Though. Um, I would say if I break them down in the um, American smooth, I, I'd say I, I go for American wars, wars because that feeling of being swept away, yes. it's so romantic and dreamy. And it's very graceful. It's very graceful dance with the rise and the fall, the swing and the sway action. That that gliding motion is so poetic. Um, you feel like you're flying, and at that moment, you just let go of all your worries. Um, and the fact that you have a unique connection with your partner, so that you can move in unison, that's very gratifying. And you've actually sculpted one of your professional dance partners. Yes, we, I did, I did. Um, he, I sculpted his bust. <laughs> that was part of, yeah, it's not, not well, him doing in motion. He's a Ukrainian. So, and that, that was a feature that I, you know, want to, to, to show. And he was a very young immigrant also. So at that point, at that time, I was showing his, um, uh, being, him being a young immigrant and, and, and the uncertainty of being here as, as uh, you know, an immigrant. So that was more, my focus at that time. Um, so the other one in Latin, um, to me, I would say rumba. I, it's the most sensuous of all ballroom dances, you know, it requires the straightening of your legs to achieve that elegance. Um, it's a very complex dance that involves the coordination of your arm, your hips, your knees, your leg actions. And when I dance rumba, I feel that energy is oozing out of every part of my body. Um, if I don't do it right, I lose the sensuality of that dance. 
But if I do, I feel like a goddess. That's how Rumba is. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give to other artists who are aspiring for their dreams right now? What advice? I just say, follow your heart. I don't do things that what you know, the, I think people will like or not like. I do things out of my heart. Yeah, I don't do things because it gives me um, maybe monetary reward if that's what you know, some what drive people and they're successful for, for, you know, doing it, that's fine. But I usually, I have the luxury, I would say, to work on things that I truly believe in. That's wonderful. And when you do believe in your art, um, it comes out, it becomes more relatable. Yeah, it doesn't look fake. Yeah. That's so true. So. What was your favorite vacation? My favorite vacation, I, I would say, uh, was a, a week-long stay in with my husband in Barcelona. We take our time to just enjoy every part of the city. It's, um, it's a very livable, vibrant city. There's so much charm in the facades of the uh, Art Nouveau buildings. You can walk a whole day just admiring its architecture. It's, art is everywhere. You, uh, if, if you're familiar with Gaudi's works, they're, they're everywhere. Um, the, the you know the the Casa Miller the Park Guau you know that in in that park there's a famous dragon made of very colorful mosaic every everything that he does is very colorful and very um, magical and fantastic his uh, cathedral the La Familia Cathedral it's practically I would say it's a masterpiece of just pure imagination and innovation just between architecture and engineering and he's the first one who um, could actually think outside the box and make your worship experience not one of, you know, one of actually bringing nature. His, his vision was to almost create a forest in the cathedral. So his columns are like trunks of trees. He didn't finish his cathedral during his lifetime. Three quarter of it was actually completed after his death because it was just so complex. That's yeah. Incredible. So yeah, have you been there? La Familia? Yeah, I haven't actually. I've been to northern Italy. Okay. Northern France. I would love yeah. to be in Spain. That is one. If there's anything you want to see in a cathedral, that is one that you absolutely have to go because it's just such a different experience. It's a it's a different kind of cathedral. In the interior, the exterior, it's not like anything you've seen. It's a cross between Gothic and Art Nouveau but also his pure imagination. So when you go inside, it's a very total, uh, to, I, went, I, came, I went back a few times, actually. I stood in line, I got a ticket to go in, because um, that's, it's just not enough time to experience that feeling within you know, that cathedral in just even two hours. You can be there for multiple times and you would experience something different. It's, a, it's a, a, a lot of work of art in its own. So I, I, I absolutely love Barcelona. There's so many museums. There's all these, um, you know, uh, people are friendly. Um, the, it's very cosmopolitan. You can try the food in different places. You could, you know, try the tapas. Um, everywhere, there's just something very stimulating going on. I, I just, you know, I can really live there. <laughs> if, I, if I speak the language, I will live there. If I don't smoke as much, because people that do smoke, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it does actually make me want to, you know, I actually, it prompted me to take up Spanish as, you know, and that really was the reason why I took up, you know, I started 
studying Spanish um, because I wanted to go back to the city and experience more in depth. That's great. It sounds like you're up for a return visit. I will definitely do after the pandemic. Everything calms down. <laughs> yeah, that kind of <laughs> slows everything up. Yeah. How wonderful. If anyone is interested in learning more about you, do you, do you have your own website? And uh, Yes, it's um, my name, Esther Conglo, E-S-T-H-E-R-K-O-N-G-L-O, uh, estherconglo.com. Yeah. And sometimes I have some public postings on my Facebook page too, Esther Lowe. Um, but usually uh, most of my works are on my website. Yeah. Actually, I also have an Instagram account. I think it's also Esther Lowe Art. Uh, I'm not that much of a social media person, so I don't always like every day put something on. If there's something, I put it on. Uh, but you could definitely people, you know, can follow me. And I, if there is something going on, I will put there. You know, if my my works are in the gallery or in um, usually I enter uh, jewelry exhibits, national jewelry exhibits, and if they get in, they um would be um you know part of an exhibit in the tri-state area, and that would be where I would post either on Facebook or you will find me on my updates on my uh, website or on Instagram. And I found some articles written about you too. Oh, um, really? thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, is, is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners before we sign off? Um, I would say just really um, look around, you know, uh, around the world. I think that um, everywhere you walk, everywhere around you, there's something to be appreciated. So um, just enjoy your life and be, be appreciative of what you are being surrounded by. There's just so much um, love and, um, and beauty around you, just nature by itself, you know, nature as it is, just, as I love to garden, nature itself is such a lo lovely thing to, to behold. And, and the, between man-made art and nature-made art, there's plenty to, <laughs> plenty to enjoy life already. <laughs> it's a beautiful world. With yes, 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 yeah. And we can always make it more beautiful if the world is, becomes one, yeah. That's so true, so wise. Thank you so much. This was such an honor and a privilege. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for joining me. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's very, very nice talking to you and I appreciate that. Oh, same here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of State of the Arts. Be positive, be safe, and be true to your dreams. Take care, everyone.